0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shut the Fuck Up. We are not done talking yet, and we, we're not. Um, today we have Kim Skipper Corbin. I really hope I said your name in the right order, who's a friend of ours we met in the Nia world, and um, we all went, Sharla and Kim and I went to the India in 2009, which was your birthday, right? Wasn't it like your 40th birthday?
1: It was 40th birthday, yeah. Yeah.
0: So that was really nice. And uh, hi, Charlotte. welcome and hi, Kim, welcome.
2: Hi. Hello. Yeah, I'm so excited to see Kim, AKA Skipper. Now, Kim, do you mind if we call you Skipper?
1: Uh, no, I, I definitely go by both.
2: <laughs> That's the way that I met you. Yeah, it was January 2009 on our trip to India to do Nia dancing in India. Now, no. d- did Skipper take Danielle's Nia class before, or how did you find out about the trip?
1: I was taking Nia at the YMCA in Novato. Um, that's how I discovered Nia. And then I knew that I wanted to go to India for my 40th. And I started looking into ways that I might do that. And I think that that's how I found the retreat, the Nia retreat. So I hadn't met Danielle until, until we, like, right before we went.
0: I remember you came to the class at seventh heaven and afterwards we went to Vic's chat house with Amy, with Amy. So I, it must've been a little bit before, but that's, I remember that. And you said, I said, God, Bernie man's so weird. I don't know if I want to go. And you really wanted to talk to me about it to tell me how great it is. And you know, few years later, I figured it out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Because you are, you were, Well, what do you say, like a founding member, one of the early participants, how would you describe yourself at Burning Man? My first
1: Burning Man was 1997, so um, that, and that's definitely not early, that's, that's pretty late in Burning Man's evolution, and that it was, that was the first year that there were more rules, and 1996 is the year that people got run over in their tent, So when I, so 1997 was, then they died. And so 1997 was the first year that there was like a little bit more structure and, um, and rules. And so that was my first year. And I think there was 15,000 people then. And then after my first year, I was so, it just completely blew the lid off of, of my whole life experience. And, I was so excited about it and I work in, the, in publicity. And so I went to the media mecca tent and I met all of them and I told them my, I had the, I'm like, I have a, a great line in the sand theory I want to share with you. And they're like, okay, what's this theory? And I said, when you come to Burning Man, everyone have, has a line in the sand about what they're comfortable with in their lives, how they express themselves, how they show up. What they're you know, willing to do. Everyone has a line in the sand. And when you come to Burning Man, no matter where your line is, there's someone else's line who is so much farther out there than yours in a different direction. And you're in the safe, supportive environment where you can erase your line in the sand and put it a little farther out there. And experiment with that. And then when you come back from Burning Man, your your line is never, you're, it's never the same, like you're forever changed. And so I went and told them that. And then they invited me to be on the media team. So I was on the media team for the next several years. And that was amazing because- our job was when the media came was to have them have the experience of burning man not just come to report about it like you can't Mm -hmm. report about it then you don't get it you have to have the experience so our job was to facilitate that and to get them to have the experience and we had these fun amazing meetings and we would go out to santa cruz with larry harvey and we'd all sit around and he'd tell us about the original burning man and it was such an honor to be a part of it and I'm especially now like as it's grown and evolved like to have had that experience be at the core of my Burning Man experience and my last year was 2015 and I've gone 15 15 times I think over the course of all those years at one point there
2: <laughs> yes I was gonna do that up
1: in 2002 I met my husband there
2: Yeah. How did you guys meet? I mean, in a little detail, not too much, you know, this is a just, this is just an R rated.
1: Yeah, the church of of funk at Bernie man. Yeah. On a Wednesday night. And I was dancing topless and he spotted me and we started talking and we skipped on the playa and he tried to um, teach me ballroom dancing. And at the time I was like, oh, such a free spirit that it wasn't, it didn't go very well. And, um, and then we were going to meet up, we saw each other a couple more times and we were going to meet up for the last night and we never found each other. And then we went our separate ways. And I actually went on the e-playa when I got home trying to find him. I said, skipping Kim is looking for dancing Sven and he, he's not a tech guy. He never saw it. He didn't call me for like a month and a half after Burning Man. And so he called me and asked me out and I was like, I'm, this is Sven. We met at Burning Man. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) so yeah and then we dated for 18 years and then just got married last year
0: (laughs) oh it's such a good story I'm so glad you got married last year he's a
1: sweetie he's a real sweetie
2: (laughs) you know um I was thinking you were also you were part of one of the camps the roller skating camp
1: black rock roller disco
2: yeah I had so much fun there
1: Yeah, we it's build really a roller it. rink in the in the desert, and um, it's D Miles who runs the Church of Eight Wheels in San Francisco, and he also um, start help start the Friday night skate, and he does the in Golden Gate Park they have a skating area, and so he uh, is the mastermind behind that camp, and brings all the skates, and we build the floor, and it's really fun.
2: Yeah, that is really one of the coolest things there. There's so many unexpected ones, but that one is so fun. So the t- I've been um, three times,
0: um, 2013, 14, and 16. So I guess we overlapped whatever we just said, one of those. <laughs> so the, the, the other times that you weren't there, I took pictures with your little head. Like someone brought your head, and it was like something skipper. So I was like, oh, she's not here. And then one time, I actually found you, and I went around, it's like, just where she is and you were making breakfast with sven and neither of you looked too good and i was like oh it was nice to see you like you were so clear that you were like really do we have to have a conversation with her because you were, you know maybe perhaps a little hungover it was one it's 1 p.m you're frying <laughs> potatoes
1: <laughs> yeah you never know on the play it's definitely everything right it's not yeah. always just happy happy joy joy
0: No, no, no. And it's none of my business. I was just like, okay, well I'll just see her a different time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Skipper, when you went to Burning Man in 2002, were you already embarked on your skipping career?
1: Yes. My skipping career started in 1999.
2: Well, tell us all about it.
1: All right. Well, actually my, that's not actually true. My, my, original skipping calling happened in 1997 before my first burning man um and I was out with a couple of friends and one of them went skipping down the street and said let's skip and I followed him and it was so much fun in the moment and it was just brought me so much joy and I thought I bet I could start a national skipping movement Like I had the vision. I had saw the whole thing. I'm like, and actually, you know, I think it was after my first Burning Man because I thought at the time I could get my Burning Man friends to skip with me. Yes. And then I could use my publicity skills to get the media to do a story about it. And then all people need is to see it on the news to think that it's acceptable. And then people start skipping everywhere. Like I had the whole vision but I wasn't ready to do anything about it at the time. I just, it it wasn't time yet. And I actually tried to recruit a friend to be the skipper and I would be her publicist. Like that's how much I was like, not there. And so I kind of, it just faded away. And then two years later, the inspiration came up again. I had, I was walking a labyrinth and asking for inspiration about how I can use my life to change the world. And, and, and that, that was going on. And I tried to run to the labyrinth one morning and I hate running. I always will hate running. And it was a disaster. And I told my coworker about it at work. Mm-hmm. And then in that same conversation, she said, oh yeah, well, I was at the daughter, at the mall with my daughter, Hannah yesterday. And she took me by the hand and said, let's skip. And she said, and I skipped with her, but I thought this is weird. Adults don't skip. And as soon as she said that, it was like the lights went off again. I saw the whole thing and I was like, I'm going to start and I'm going to do it. I'm going to start a national skipping movement and I wasn't skipping or anything. Like I hadn't skipped by myself or anything like that. And it was right <laughs> when the com world was getting going. So my brother helped me create the iskip.com website that I still have today, 21 years later. And I did exactly what I had seen in 1997. I started organizing happy hour skips in San Francisco. The Chronicle found out what I was up to and did a big story on it. And then it went out on the wire and because the internet was brand new like it wouldn't it was early social media all of these people all over the world who had already been skipping for years but had never you know there'd been no gathering point for it started coming forward and saying yes i skip too i'll be i, I want to help and so i recruited head skippers in like 60 cities who were organizing their own events and skipping around and the media just loved it i mean it was such a media fueled experience like i was in people and time and newsweek and everything it was everywhere and it was so much fun and so amazing and i so to the point that i was like this is my calling if i leap the net will follow and i quit my job and then i pretty much skipped myself into financial ruin to make a long story (laughs) short like skipping is free you know, like the, the, It did not my dad be like how's the cash registering I don't know dad it's being divinely inspired the way will be shown to me. And I just totally biffed it. And so the I really and so the, you know that was the first, um, I think it was, you know, the first several years. And then like, I went into a really dark night of the soul part of the journey. Um, where, but I kept skipping and the skipping movement kept coming in and people Kept, like someone skipped a marathon and someone started a, a skipping club in New York. They got lots of publicity and it's like, it's continued on. I got invited to lead the Austin skip Fest every year, which I've, I've done for four years in a row. Um, we didn't get to do it this year for COVID. So, and then I ended up with this dream job at new world library where I have this amazing job that pays my bills and the skipping movement gets to be my fun passion project you know, skipping gets to be free. and I'm not trying to make it make money for me. It just gets to be my joy. So. Well,
0: that's so that's- good. So, so the job you quit, you, 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 it led, this all led you to the next thing, to working at New World Library. And, Eventually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So a long yeah. and
1: circuitous route where I got fired good. a few times. and <laughs> But I've been at New World for 15 years now and it's, it is, I I love my job as much as I love the skipping movement. So that's what is your
2: favorite book that you've ever worked on? Mm. Or what are some of your favorite books?
1: I just worked on a book um, in January of this year called We Are the Luckiest, The Surprising Magic of a Sober Life, who's written by someone who got sober. Um, But it's not necessarily just about getting sober, it's about how, for her, like, drinking was the thing that she couldn't she couldn't do and really show up in the world so she writes about how we all have our things that get in the way of us living our biggest truest life and her thing was drinking but she writes about it in a way that no matter what your thing is you kind of can look at yourself in, in a different way that's one of my favorite books for sure um the power of now by Eckhart Tolle of course is like the biggest one Yeah, Um, that's,
2: that's a big one. All right. Yeah,
1: (laughs) the humdinger. (laughs) Honestly, I remember
2: the first time I read that book, just a few pages in, I could feel the top of my head, like taking off like a rocket. It was so, it was so unbelievable. I looked at it. I was like, really, he's not saying anything that out of control, but it, there was just something about the way it was written. And the way it hit me that it was just like, oh my God, I'm never gonna be able to see the world the same again. Yeah, yeah. it's I don't even know what it is about it. some but people
1: read it and just it does it, they're not ready it for it for whatever reason and they do not get it. It's it's real very interesting. But we have sold, I've been at New World for 15 years and we've never sold less than two thousand copies a week of that book. So, which is promising, like, and and often much, many more. And that's so encouraging to me that there's that many people who are just finding
2: that Mm. work,
1: you know, like it gives me hope for the future that hopefully is on the other side of all of this 2020 madness and craziness.
2: Yeah. That's a nice thought. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And um, wait, this is something else popped into my brain earlier. Um, Oh, I was going to go back to when you first talked about the line in the sand, I thought and going to Burning Man, I thought that was really interesting. Um, And it it made me wonder how you ended up going to Burning Man the first time. And did you have a line in the sand that moved when you were there the first time?
1: Yes, that's a great question. And I, I was invited to go by some friends and I was completely on board to go. Like I said, okay, and I'd never gone camping or so it felt like a big stretch of moving my line in the sand just to go. And then someone mentioned that it was clothing optional. And when they said it was clothing optional, my Midwestern sensibilities like sprang to life. And I was like, I'm not going. Like, no way, I'm not going. Because I just imagined my awkward Midwestern self surrounded by free-spirited hippie, naked hippie people who were just like so comfortable and that I would just be this, you know, I hated my body at the time. I was so disconnected from my body at the time. And so I almost didn't go. And then someone talked me into it and said, it's not about doing what everyone else does. Burning Man's about doing you, like really, truly expressing you. And so I went anyway. And by the end, I was topless and body painted and and I found this part of myself that I didn't know when I was living in Indiana. And, and that's the part that went on to do the skipping movement. And it's, it's I've never lost touch with her completely. There's definitely phases where she's a little more out of touch, but she's always in there and activated because of that, that first Burning Man experience.
2: You know, I think that Burning Man is what, one of the only places I've ever been where I felt I could be without my clothes not that I was very often but it all the men there were so respectful like it it was such an odd unexpected thing that that you'd have all these gorgeous gorgeous naked women running around and the men didn't seem to be like leering drooling and I think the women felt safe doing that it was the oddest unexpected thing um I think that's also
1: et- an advantage of going earlier too is that was you know like as it's gotten bigger I think that's eroded some um and there's social media now oh <laughs> so, yes you know, yes
2: that's true
1: yeah so but way back then there was no risk of you <laughs> your bubs showing up on someone's Facebook page <laughs> <laughs> and I love the Critical Tits ride, um, you know, like that was where really where you saw that the men holding space for the feminine, not in a sexual way, just in a respectful way and you would early days of, of, of that ride and you would ride around is, and they would just be, you know, bow pray like bowing and saying thank you, thank you, we love you and it was amazing.
2: Is that the bicycle ride?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know that it even happens anymore. Because again, as it got bigger and bigger, kind of that safety,
2: that
0: Mm -hmm. feeling of
1: it kind of eroded to to some degree. It did.
0: When I was there, it was still there. Those three years, it was still there. I just wanted to share my my little thing about it. When I got to Burning Man, I was not taking anything off. But I really liked to shower and I brought my sun shower and I hooked it up on the edge of my um, canopy. So it's like hanging on a hook. And I didn't want the water to like make a big puddle. Cause they told us not to do it. So I stood in my dish bucket, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a white Rubbermaid dish bucket. And the first day I took a shower with my bathing suit on <laughs> and like washed around myself. Right. And, and then, and then I dried myself. And then it's like, you have dust on you in 10 seconds. And then second day I took my top off. And the third day, I had everything off and I wasn't running around the playa, but I was like, I don't think anyone here gives a damn (laughs) (laughs) about whether I'm naked or not, including my campmates. And we went with Paul one of the years and he could care less, you know it was so freeing what you just said before it's so freeing charlie you got a little bit racy there i i remember you were like took off your skirt or something we were riding
2: around that yeah well you know that was purely practical our very first (laughs) night there we took a bike ride to go look at all the lights right and so i i had on my mini skirt which doesn't really work with a bicycle yeah, so after I fell down once in the playa, and some really nice people from the bee camp gave me some honey and checked on me. I mean, people could not have been nicer, right? I completely you know, fell over. I had no choice. I had to take off my mini skirt and put it in my basket. And I was just wearing bikini underwear. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, I oh, kind of got down pretty I was thinking maybe fast. you were shirt
1: cocking. <laughs> I
2: tell you, I loved it. I mean, I think it's always very refreshing to just see naked people. I mean, like if you're in uh, say the dressing room at your gym or something, because it's just reassuring to see all these different bodies because usually the the naked bodies that we're exposed to are, you know, actors and models and people have perfect bodies that they worked out to demonstrate that they have perfect bodies or athletes, you know, but it's like, those are all just public people who are prepared to show their bodies. But it's Bernie Man, it's anyone and everyone. And it's yeah. not just people with perfect bodies, you yeah. see every possible shape and form. And so I think that is a great thing about it. Definitely. And I think people
1: thing. are,
0: um, people are so uh, make assumptions about it oh, you just go to Burning Man because there are orgies going on. I was like, you know, there's like one orgy camp, and there's probably a ton of people doing stuff in their tents that we can't even imagine, and that's fine because they're doing that. But it's not about that at all. It's not about nudity. It's about loving and giving. It's wonderful. So anyway, everyone should go, but only 65,000 people a year, and it's really hard to get in.
1: Well, I don't know if everyone should go.
0: Okay. Not everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Cause, if, Cause
1: if you get out, you got to have the, you know, you have with the, the elements in that edge, you have to have some fortitude. So someone's yeah. like, and then people need to know that in advance, because like, if you don't drink water, you die, you know, and your body knows that it's like that, that was another really profound. I mean, it really, my relationship with my body changed in many ways from Bernie man. And that's another way it was like, wow, like I had never felt that primal connection before. And it's definitely out there. You're in the middle of a whiteout dust storm and it's like, you know, so powerful. You never feel that alive. And it's like, when, when does this happen in our modern day? It doesn't. Um, And so it really brings that in. So It's not for the the faint of heart or people who think, oh, I'm not really a camper. I don't know if I could handle the elements, then maybe they should just stay home. It (laughs) is
2: camping. Go to a
1: regional event or something that's not in the desert where it's really extreme.
2: That's a good point. Although, I mean, we had an RV and it was pretty comfortable. Although by the end, it was entirely coated on the inside with playa dust. (laughs) <laughs> My husband saw it when we came back. He's like, "I have never seen anything like that." <laughs> oh, it did take yeah. a few hours to clean it,
0: but Troy uh, I mean, and I like, killed that. We did it twice. We are very good cleaners.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's all about no the vinegar. But and you know, it's, it's also like, good to put fabric. I don't know if you did that, but if you take an RV again, you can get this fa- like construction workers use this sticky stuff that you put on top of the carpet. So the yeah. carpet doesn't get, that was like a lifesaver.
2: Yes. Yeah, I know exactly the stuff you're talking about. It's outside of my hall at this very moment oh. since my husband's working on the house. Yeah, next time I'll get him to help <laughs> set it up. they will say RV. cleaning
1: time later for sure.
2: Oh, you know, another thing I wanted to ask you is, All of the skipping you've done. Can you just tell us about some of the places and situations and people that you've skipped with?
1: Sure. Well, like like I said, I do the Austin Skip Fest is the most current thing, which is in Austin every, um, August. And we like hundreds of people of all ages are skipping together for a good cause. That's really fun. At one point I led a skip through central park and that was amazing. Um, and I had my megaphone so early I was early in the skipping movement, like I was possessed, like I would say I would have my megaphone, I say we are skipping activists who believe the world will be a much happier place when skipping becomes a more acceptable thing to do. We don't ask that you skip, we just ask that you're supportive of us, those of us who love to or something like that and so I had this megaphone always when I was skipping and so when we were in New York we started looking for someone named Lou in Central Park to skip to so we had we're like is there a Lou we're looking for a Lou we want to skip to Malou and we like found some guy named Lou and we skipped to him that was really fun <laughs> <laughs> um uh let's see where else I've in Sedona when we were in India I think that's one of my my most memorable skips we were at the um a fruit market in Pondicherry totally crowded like people everywhere just total India like India scene and I had someone videotaping me for my website of me skipping through the through the fruit market as I skipped by this guy he was like started kind of mimicking me I said skip with me skip with me and next thing I know this man in India is skipping side by side with me and all the other people at the fruit market the Indians were like oh like it was like unheard of and our friends who lived there said that like the fact that he did that is so amazing like in this culture that he would skip with you like that so and it was all on video which is the it was the best part is that I have that to to you know live on live on with that's um, I've seen it many
0: times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did lots
1: of skipping on TV. That's my favorite with a camera and toe, and then you get people to skip with you when you know when you're on camera. I held hands and skipped with Donnie Osmond on the Donnie and Marie Show, which was a super cool experience. That was in 2000 when it very very first started. Um, It was on a show in Sacramento and they had me go to the local Walmart. It was like 830 in the morning on a Saturday. And they're like, like, oh, we're going over to Walmart. I'm like, right now? Yeah, you're going to get people to skip with you as they come out of Walmart. And I'm like, okay. Like, I just, that's so much fun to me. (laughs) And people are so willing. If you skip up to most people, they just like break into a skip with you. If you give them time to think about it, they won't. But in the moment, it's like, you almost can't help it. Like, your spirit (laughs) loves that joy.
2: Didn't you organize a, like, I guess you could call it a flash mob of skipping at Union Square in San Francisco?
1: Yeah, Yeah, that was the, I think that was the 15th anniversary of I Skip. And we all, like, met there and then all of a sudden started skipping around. That was fun, too. Yeah, there's been so many good skips we yeah, when... followed the cable car on down Powell Street like all, the whole band of skippers. Oh, no. we, and then we just like started, and so we had people on the cable car filming us and we're like skipping down the street. That was really fun.
0: You know, I think I'm gonna have to borrow your technique of skipping and wearing either one of my um, tutu's or a um, you know those fluffy oh, I can't think of words that's so sad. Because I've been going out with my tutus, and oh, that's a crinoline, and no one gives a shit. I'm so mad. We're talking Walnut Creek. No one else is wearing, like Oakland people wear things like that are not normal. They didn't even look. They didn't, (laughs) and it was this giant red thing. So I was like, well, maybe if I skip and say Merry Christmas, they would have a response. What do you think?
2: I don't know. That'll, that'll help. The, the Bay area is pretty jaded. Even Walnut Creek, you know, they <laughs> That's are.
1: So true. I, another thing I used to love to do when I lived in San Francisco, I have a bunny suit. And on Easter, I would go out in my bunny suit and skip around in my bunny suit. And I swear uh, you can get on a bus in San Francisco on a bunny, in a bunny suit and people like don't even react at all. They don't which is fine. Like it, it's part of what makes it fun to do in the Bay area, but it's also like, do you realize there's a rabbit sitting next to you? Like, <laughs> I don't even think.
0: You know I would just, it's not because I did, I did it for attention. I didn't wear it for attention, but I would just like to, to know if I cheered someone up or like this year's whack people are freaking out hey, it's a holiday thing, nothing, zero. I was just disappointed. I like, go, you people are a bunch of poops. Yeah. But yeah, I can see that, that they won't even acknowledge you or notice you're yeah. wearing a bunny yeah.
1: suit. That's part well, of what makes the Bay Area so great too, though. You can just that's
2: do very fun. You yeah. Yeah, I remember the first year I moved here, I was in Berkeley at Christmas time and there were like two naked people on the corner and uh, there was a man and a woman and they are just like buck naked standing there. And I thought, oh my gosh, only in only in Berkeley, you know, that was a shocker. But then, then I discovered that there's a race that people run around naked, and you know, public nudity in the Bay Area, is pretty like, eh, everybody except that, that's nothing exciting. But you know, I think you kind of when you describe that, it makes me think that um, skipping is kind of a joyful act, and. I mean, you could skip for exercise, I guess. You could skip instead of running or walking. It's kind of an in-between. But it's it's such a joyful act and sort of spontaneous that I think it would be hard for people to say, oh no, no, I'm not gonna do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's for me, that's real that's my motivation and is the joy and the free and the feeling of freedom and not worrying about what other people think and just choosing joy. Like, to me, yes. that's always been what it's been about for me. When I do media interviews, they, everyone wants to talk about the physical fitness benefits, which are really significant. I mean, it burns twice as many calories as walking. It has less impact on your joints than running. It's like an animal frolicking freely in the field instead of running to get away from mm-hmm. something. You know, it's like it's it's a really, it's really good exercise. But for me, it's all about choosing joy and not listening to the inner critic that worries so much about what other people think. And even though I've been skipping for 20 years that I'll still have that come up. It, it used to say oh people will think you're crazy if you're skip. It doesn't say that anymore. But now it'll be like oh you're going to annoy people with your joy. Just nah, don't <sighs> do it. You know like don't be too much. You, like that's what the, that voice says. And I just notice it and then I skip anyway because I the joyful side of me loves it so much. And it's interesting how that translates into other areas of my life. So when I'm writing, you know, part, of, I'll hear that voice be like, uh, there's no point. Why are you doing this? You're never going to finish. Don't work on it. And I'm like, oh, that's the same voice that tells me not to skip. And so it's, it's really this internal dialogue thing that happens um, that I've really gotten clear on because of skipping. Like I've, I've challenged that voice and choose have decided to choose joy instead. And it's, um, it's a lot more fun <laughs> that way, Skipper. That is that so. Is so al- al- I'm so sorry mm-hmm. I
0: cut you off. Um, it's so aligned with Nia. Yeah. We choose yeah. joy. You could, you know, you could choose pain. You could choose uh, indifference. You, you know what I mean. And you choose joy. So that's interesting that um, that you are so aligned with that. I like that.
1: Yeah, that's why I think that's a big part of why I love Nia so much too just that joy of movement, like that, that's the main thing, like that's the reason. And that's what our bodies need to feel. And mm-hmm. there's not a lot in the world that teaches us that, you know, like until we, until we find these wonderful kind of practices that, that mm-hmm. help us plug into it.
2: Yeah. I mean, Nia is so much around the joy of movement and it's not how it looks. Uh, you, in fact, you have to sort of get over how you look doing it. Cause sometimes you look really silly. But it feels so great when you're done. Sure does. Well, I was going to say one more thing that popped into my brain. Oh, yeah. We were talking about skipping this exercise. So I have to ask you, have you ever seen that YouTube of this lady who does prancercise?
1: Yes. (laughs) You know, <laughs> yes, I actually I was being I was being considered for a reality TV show that never happened, and they were interviewing me about the skipping movement. Right when that prancer size thing came out, and they were like, "Well, how do we know you're not just trying to copy the prancer size lady?" And I said, "Well, first of all, I've been doing this for a really long time, and there's a lot of other people out there who are skipping. Like, I don't see too many other people prancer sizing around." And I kind of feel like Prancercise is like Skipping's awkward cousin. <laughs> you know, like it's like <laughs> she's a riot. I mean, God bless her. <laughs>
2: well, it's sort of silly because she does seem to promote it as exercise and as if it's something she could trademark um, or somehow make into a commodity and make money off of it which of course seems very ludicrous the same way with like skipping yes. you know but um then there was this fellow that Danielle you know the name of that guy who did his version of it um the oh, long-haired that, yeah, fellow yeah, yeah. he does JP other- Sears yeah. JP Sears who turns
0: yes
1: yeah he did
2: yeah sorry go ahead <laughs> JP no. Sears had a version of it right of him doing it in Somewhere in the redwoods, and, and that- he's wearing an outrageous outfit. I have to yes. say, he he is
0: funny. He is funny. He did, yeah. He's cute. I know Prancer Size. That she's amazing. <laughs> she's amazing.
1: She was in like she did make some money from it too. She made more from Prancer Size than I ever did from skipping. <laughs> she like music videos and like it was really. She had a little cult of personality thing going on.
2: Wow, she so she had her 15 minutes of fame. Mm-hmm. Now, sure. I don't get that.
0: You should have had your cult of personality. I'm not getting that with her, but it. it's okay. Good for I her.
1: I think I did have it. I think that was largely, you know, the early days of the Skippy movement. That's what it was. That's, that's why I was in all that national media. Like, it, it was just like, and it's still in there. It's just like, that. that's the Skipper part of me really sprung to life in the, in the early days.
0: I have a question. Are you... St- uh, writing the same book because I remember in India you were writing. What are you writing now? Yeah,
1: on? well, you know, I'm I'm really uh, reevaluating the writing thing. I I have I wrote my whole story, but there's a, and I work in publishing, so you know you'd think that writing a book would be an easy thing to do. There's a big difference between being able to write your story and then writing about it in a way that's going to truly be meaningful to other people who want to find their callings and live their callings. And what I was like, what I was writing 10 years ago, I mean, I've known I wanted to write for a long time, but I also am just now, I feel like coming out on the other side of the whole experience and looking back on it and being like, what, what was that? What have I learned? What can I take forward? And so I do hope to eventually write about my story in a way that's helpful to others. I have written a whole manuscript that's probably not. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that's an ongoing part of my, of my skipping experience. And I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. It's hard after so many years of trying to do it. That, and that was actually what I thought was going to be the thing that saved me financially when I was doing the skipping movement was I had an agent and I was writing my book. But the thing is, is I was only in the honeymoon part of this hero's journey that I've been on, you know, it was like the, the joy and the easy. And if then the book feels like if you skip like me, everything will be great, everybody. And it's like, that's not how life really works. And so I had to go through a really challenging time. And then how do you skip that? how do you choose a more joyful thought then? Like I really had to experience that. And now I feel like I'm, and I couldn't write about, about it too much when I was in it. So now that I have a little bit of perspective, I'm looking back and trying to figure out how and if I'm going to do that.
2: Yeah, okay. I remember that you were interested in the hero's journey or the heroine's journey. And you kind of referenced it earlier on.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been that for sure. I, you know, because I thought when I found my skipping calling, I literally thought that my life was, I figured it out and it was going to be this straight shot of joy upwards and that I was always going to have that and it would never go away. And it was so magical and it lasted for a long time. But that's not how heroes journeys and and real calls to adventure work. Like there's also a dark night of the soul that is usually involved. <laughs> and so I didn't realize that until I was in it and that kind of came to New World Library and we published Joseph Campbell's books and I started being like mm-hmm. oh okay there's there's more going on here so I needed to have all of that experience in my back pocket before I could write about it in a way that might help other people who are trying to make their dream come true and maybe they're giving up too soon because they think it the way shouldn't get tough
2: it shouldn't is be hard mm-hmm.
1: yeah it is hard for everyone it is hard. doing it all the time
2: that is really inspirational. That really is. You know, I mean, I'm working on a memoir. I've been working on it for a while now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. there are times when I'm just like, why am I even bothering? Yeah. Will it ever be done? You know, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's good to know that it's going to be hard and just, you know, keep going.
1: Yeah. And find a way in the process as much as possible I think is so much a part of it it's not about where we end up it's about the joy in the process so that's what I've been doing like I was working on my book and then COVID happened and then I basically I completely forgot about it like for a long time and then I realized like oh wait a minute like I was working on my book earlier in the year and so now I'm like I'm in a bit of a regular writing practice and I'm you know kind of getting myself back in the arena and, and hoping to move in that direction but I'm also questioning like do I need to do it or don't I I'm, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. And I feel like the skipping movement came through from something greater than me and it guided me and I was out of my own way and it happened. And so with the book, it's like, if, if this is something that the universe wants me to do, I'm open and I'll show up at the page. And if it comes great. And if it doesn't, then maybe it's not meant to be.
2: Well, yeah. I think you've got a good attitude and also that you're thinking like maybe the difference between writing it versus getting it published. I mean, kind of like if the end result is I need to publish this book. And that always, I think, is a great way to shut yourself down as a writer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously at some point you have to put on your editor hat and say, is this worth sending out into the world? But I think taking uh, the pressure off and just like, yeah, should this flow through me and come out or not?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm really resigned to right now. To, it could be either way. And either like, way. Hey, show me, show me muses and universe. I'm open. If you want me to do it, let's do it. And I'm, but I'm gonna, I'm not gonna keep beating myself up because I can't do it, which is kind of what I've gotten into after 20 years of trying <laughs> and having yes. you know, having a finished product and then having it not be good enough and all of that stuff,
0: so. I have a question, you know, a couple of times you've brought up the dark night of the soul and I think of you as just being a really up person. I, of course we have right hard times. Have you ever been depressed or severe, like some level of depression?
1: Actually, I feel I do have a very, very buoyant spirit and I always have, um, but I do have a part of me that I think struggles with, an internal part of me that struggles with depression to some degree. When I first moved here, I lived with a woman who told me, she's like, I, like I couldn't wake up in the morning and all this stuff. And she said, no, I would never have known it if I didn't live with you, but I feel like you might be struggling with depression at some level. Um, and then I ended up taking Wellbutrin to help me quit smoking cigarettes. Um, this is, like, right when the skipping movement started. So I started taking Wellbutrin with the only for the purpose of quitting smoking cigarettes, and it totally shifted everything for me. Like, I felt, I was like, oh, and, and my friend who had said, you, you maybe should try antidepressants, like, so you have a baseline, so you know what it feels like to not be bogged down in that. And when I started taking Wellbutrin, it's like I took it for three years because it worked so well for me. I was so clear. I got to feel like what it feels like not to be bogged down by that internal drag that was happening. Um, So so, yeah, I have dealt with it. And then I eventually just kind of came off the Wellbutrin and haven't taken it. There's been times where I think I should take it again because it was so it was so good for me. I had such a positive experience. So my, my external self is very bubbly and mm-hmm. um, buoyant and I have, you know, there's, there's always more to, than meets the
2: eye. <laughs> and that, well, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it they're not mutually exclusive. You can be buoyant and happy and you can also be depressed. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like people who are introverts versus extroverts. It's kind of like, you can kind of be both. And, I'm, uh, you know, there's not always, a simple, uh, explanation for the type that you are.
1: I'd say the hardest part for me was when, when the skipping, I hadn't, I had, I knew I had to go back to work. I was really struggling financially. I was working so hard that I wasn't working out anymore. So I gained back all the weight that I'd lost when I was skipping. So, and like when in a, in a matter of months, I had gone from being called a fitness guru in people magazine to literally not being able to get myself to work out or follow any kind, you know, like it was like that, that part of me was still in there. And I feel like the skipping movement, like while that was going on, I was in such a state of flow and, and all of that internal stuff that needed my attention and for me to work on just kind of, I got it. I could literally skip past it. And then I had to like, it came back, you know, and it was the, the high was gone. Then it was like, and it was even stronger in a way. And so I feel like that's a lot of what I've done in the years since is, Unpack that and work with it, and get to know it, and heal it, and love it, and try and listen to it, and like, like all of the that the dark side of it. it. was like it's not always just light. There's also a dark side.
2: Well, you the way you describe it almost seems like the, the years in which it was most popular, where you were practically euphoric.
1: Yeah. Oh, it um, totally. Yes, I was. I was and in,
2: swept like, along.
1: I was in a state of flow. It took me for a ride. It 100% took me for a ride. It was, it's inspired, it's my calling, like literally something much, much bigger than me was, was guiding me, absolutely. And I thought that that was this guarantee and that my reward for saying yes would be that I'd have material delights. <laughs> not how it works at all.
2: You mean you mean do what you love and the money will follow? Yes,
1: that's I really and you know and I think eventually it will follow, but it's sure like they should say in parentheses eventually. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to go dot, through dot, hell dot. On your way to get there.
2: <laughs> yeah, that book. I have read that book and it's it is Uh, The title doesn't completely reflect the content. The content is a little bit.
1: I only looked at the title. I was like that and leap in the net will follow. I didn't read that book either. I just said, yeah, I'll do that. And I didn't read the books.
2: (laughs) Uh, Well, you think you've given us a lot to think about, Skipper. You know, just in terms of pursuing your dreams and um, having inspiration and following it. I mean, I really love the idea that you saw this national skipping movement in a, in a flash.
1: I did. It was a download.
2: Uh huh. Yeah. That is just, that is like really an amazing thing. And, uh, you know, I think that you, you really point out that you can have these dreams and follow them and they will come true. But there, that's, it's, it's definitely still your life, one's life is a roller coaster, right? It's never all up.
1: Exactly. And we can be, and callings can be for just like relationships can be for a reason, a season or a lifetime, you know, like just because something doesn't last forever, doesn't mean that it wasn't a, a true calling.
2: Yes. Yes. That is a really good point. And you could, you still make a difference in the world, even if it's, you life. know,
1: yeah, enjoy life.
0: That's, yeah. Know. You make a big difference in the world, Skipper. We don't, we're a little peripheral to you now. Cause we haven't seen you and you're over in Petaluma. And we're in the East Bay, but it's, you know, you are you a are walking, you know, joy and influence. And I'm sure everyone who else who is, meets up with you and has a little bit of contact is quite happy to do that and have that with you. And you should, something to aspire to. Right, Charlotte. Yeah. Not that you're think, not joyous. You're joyous, too.
2: I think that is actually probably one of the reasons we've been wanting to have Skipper on the show since we started it. I know. She's I been on our that. list that's for a really long bad. time. She's so been on your list. And then
0: we hadn't. An, and then you started coming to my NIA classes on Saturday. So it reminded us to do it. So that's been really nice. That's another way that we just reconnected recently is by having you come on Zoom Tania don't forget tomorrow Santa Hello, mash I'm ready. it's, it's I'm gonna ready. be hysterical yeah I'm ready yeah
2: Santa mash I watched it a little bit on Thursday because I wasn't out of bed yet but it really was fun yeah I know I'm sorry I like watching other people dance on Zoom.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I'm in bed drinking
0: coffee I know is that lame or what she 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 logs on and her screen's black I'm like she's not really there like not, I'm there but I No, I know no I'm like actually yeah, not dancing I can tell but okay. that's okay. okay I just want y'all to have fun have fun your own way I don't care
1: it the Santa mash is great so yeah I highly recommend it I'm looking oh. forward to it Ruth already Ruth already told me and we emailed a bunch of people from our previous class
0: oh thank you thank you yeah. thank you yeah Ruth Ruth liked it that was fun anyway you bringing people to class I really appreciate you and uh, it's been great to be reconnected and one of these days when the world is not insane, we're going to go to India and have a little reunion with oh. and Sabina. So uh, they want to go. They said they're going back to India in the fall. No, they said they're coming here in the fall. And I was like, I don't know if you should really do that. Can you check with us first? Yeah. <laughs> but maybe maybe a lot of people will be vaccinated and they could come.
2: Sabina yes, and yes.
0: Yeah, our Europe, my our European friends who teach uh, movement in a lot of places, and be fun to see them again.
2: Yeah, I know. So, I mean, the world has become very strange in the sense that on one hand we can't travel physically, but then with Zoom, you know, I mean, you can Zoom with anybody. I mean, I've made some Zoom calls with college friends I haven't physically seen in a long time. I had a Zoom sing along for Christmas. And somebody who jumped on.
1: How did that, how did the sound do? Was it okay? Well,
2: I found out that what you do is you mute everyone except like me at my end. I played a recorded music and people joined in and sang at home, but they were muted because yeah, you cannot actually do what I thought you could. And somebody told me that before, which was great. But one person who got on had been somebody I worked with. We literally had not seen each other in 25 years. But there she was, was like, hi, Sue, how you been? You look great. (laughs) So I I do think it's sort of fun. It occurred to me, I could be having Zoom calls with people around the world. I mean, I can't go see them, but you know, all you need is an internet connection and you could literally almost see
0: them. It's uh, it's changed my business. For instance, um, some people really wanted to have outdoor classes. When it was, you know, like more than a month ago, and themes, you know, we felt like you would dance outside, and they're like Saturday ten, I said, but I have all these people coming from Canada and Petaluma, and I go, well, they can't come, <laughs> so so no, I can't do that because yeah. now my market is more there than it ever oh. has been in Walnut Creek. Go figure. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so funny. It's yeah, changing, it's, and so yeah. it's going to change for a lot of people, like
2: you know education and all sorts of things yeah yeah Yeah. it's been you know definitely there's some silver linings and just really interesting things that are
1: coming out of this yeah yeah all right
2: great to see you skipper
1: thank you ladies this is so fun i really thanks for joining
2: us Mm -hmm. that was so fun yeah really fun thanks for listening to our podcast we hope that you enjoyed this episode
0: You can get more information about it on facebook.com backslash Sharla Danielle podcast.